Welcome home. As you listen to New Life the Fort, may you continue to experience the fullness of joy, life, and Christ in the days ahead. Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. Well, 17 to 19 says, That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Father, as we come before you this morning, our expectation is, as we hear your word, it will cause us to be further established in your truth. And as we are established in your truth, then we will find ourselves immovable in this prosperity, this great and awesome life that you have given us through your son. I thank you that each and every person here is valuable to you. And I thank you, Father, that you have given your very best so that we may live life full and abundant in every way. As you move amongst your people today, may every heart be open to receive from you. May every eye be expectant to see you move. And may every ear be ready to hear what you are speaking to them specifically. And I thank you that this is going to propel them into a divine week ahead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, good morning, everybody. Greet the people to your left, to your right, to your front, and to your back. Greet them a good morning. Give them a high five. Give them a fist bump. Give them a hug. And go ahead and be seated. Praise God. We missed you, even if we were just gone one weekend. But I know that Ebo, Joey, and Pinky took very good care of you as they released the word. And I believe that you were further established in knowing what love is and who love is. Although I know that we question it sometimes. I want to know what love is. I want to know so that you can show it to me, you can demonstrate it, you can experience it. You know, God is all about demonstration. God is all about experience. He wants you to experience his love fully. Not just a bit of it, but fully. He wants you to receive everything that he has given. Because he put Jesus on display for us to see. That was the demonstration of his love for you and for me. Amen. Now, the last couple of weeks, it's just been about the love of God. And I believe that this is very foundational. It's, it's, it may be simple, but it is foundational for every single one of us. Oh, but pastor, you know, we know about the love of God. You know that every day you and I need to be reminded how loved we are by God? That it's not about our performance. It's about Jesus' performance. That it's not about how good we are or how good we've been, but how good he always is. Because it always points back to him. And we need to remind ourselves about that because sometimes when we begin to think it's about us, we find ourselves getting, our lives getting more and more complicated. So I'll put it this way, and you've heard it said here before, that the simplicity of Christ, because he is the demonstration of God's love for us, the simplicity of Christ releases the complexities of life. And so I don't know about you, but I don't like complicated things. 
I like things that are simple because if it's simple, then it's something that I can walk out. It's something that I can, that I can understand. It's something that I can live out on a daily basis. We don't want things that are confusing. We don't want things that are extremely complicated. That's why God made it very simple for us. Everything that we will ever need, everything we will ever desire is found in one place, in Christ. Amen. Now, I want to talk to you about being rooted and grounded in love. While we were away in Malaysia and we were ministering, that particular phrase just kept resounding in my heart, that being rooted and grounded in love. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through the scripture that I read earlier, and we're going to take it maybe word for word. But I'm gonna, I, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to cause a depth to come into your heart so that you have a greater understanding, a greater comprehension of the love of God for you and for me. So that you can live your life out fully, holding nothing back, giving it all that you've got, and know that God has your back. Amen? So let's jump into the word. So it says, it begins with that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ, Jesus, the anointed one and his anointing will dwell. The Amplified Bible puts it this way. Dwell, settle down, abide Make his permanent home in your heart. I love that. Because Jesus is not just coming for a visit. You are not an Airbnb that he paid for that he can live in for a temporary moment in time. No, he did something so permanent that you would become his home for all eternity. Your heart would become his home. What happens when you enter into a home? You begin to see the personality of the person that lives there. That a home, although it may look different, every single one of our houses, our, 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 our places that we dwell in, all look very different. And maybe on the inside, it's also different because of the people that live there. It will take on the personality of those that live there. Our house looks like our thing, our, have our things inside. It has the things that we like inside. Paolo and Rachel's house looks like what they like and what, well, Paolo's pointing to Rachel. So it's all about Rachel. Nothing about Paolo. Well, this is just like Loida and Joey as well. It's all about Loida. And Sister Rose and Brother Henry, their house is all about Sister Rose and the things that she's like. Well, praise God for husbands that allow their wives to express the very heart of their home. Amen. But inside every home, it's a little different. But you see, this is what I love. I, when, I, when I was writing this, this came up in my heart. When you live somewhere, the more time you spend there, the more complete it becomes. The more time you spend in your home, in that place of rest and refuge, it becomes more complete. Why? Because you may not have started with everything in one go, although you know that you have it, and you have those dreams in your heart, and you have those promises, those words that have been released. But maybe you entered that home with just a place to sleep. Lay your head. Well, that's a great place to begin because it's a place of rest. And in that place of rest, God begins to stir things up on the inside of you so that it causes you to dream bigger than you've ever dreamt before. Now you begin to see paint on the walls, the color that you want to be to see when you wake up in the morning. You want to see a couch here. You want to see your refrigerator here, your dining table here. Why? Because you're now being, you're envisioning a home. It's not just a house full of things. It's a home. It's a place where people now come together. Love on one another. Learn from each other. 
in that place called home. And so it becomes more and more complete. You fix it up. You add to it daily. You make a little adjustments here and there. Oh, maybe this would seem better over here. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. That spot right there is perfect now for that painting. What's happening? You're putting yourself in that home. And it's the same with Jesus. When Jesus comes in and he makes your heart his permanent home, what does he begin to do? He begin, begins to make the rearrangements necessary to cause you to be the most beautiful. To be a place that people want to run to and find comfort in. In this place that they know that you will, you're not going to condemn them, that you will be a place of rest for them. That they're not struggling. Actually, they find themselves thriving in your presence. Why? Because you carry Jesus on the inside. See, what happens is he's making you more beautiful than you started out. He's, put it, he's putting together what he already saw from the very beginning. And he's unleashing the potential of all that you are as he comes in to dwell. See, what happens when he comes to dwell? He takes ownership. But you see, you have to make the choice to let him in. You choose to let him in. You choose to let him be Lord and master over your life. To sit on the throne of your heart. Because when he takes responsibility for things, he will make sure that nothing is going to harm you. He's going to make sure that you are provided for. He's going to take care of you when nobody else will take care of you. When everything looks lost, he goes, don't worry, I've got you. He takes responsibility for you. He also begins to remove the unnecessary as you let him. And he adds things that he, will, that he knows will make you better. He will add things that will cause things to move to your advantage. See, not all homes look alike. But they do reflect the personality of the one who lives there. We all look different. But in Christ, we all reflect who he is. The same Jesus that lives and dwells and settled down and made you his permanent home. We all shine forth and reflect who he is. Now, how is this done? How does Jesus come into our lives, into our hearts? It's through faith. Because everything that you and I do is through faith. And when we look at faith, we're looking actually at a person. Because Jesus actually is the beginning of our believing and he is the end of it. And he would be everything in between. We are looking unto Jesus, the author, the one who started it, the initiator of our faith, and the one who has the final say in it. He's written your story and your story is complete. There's nothing missing in your story. There's nothing lacking in your story. Oh, but pastor, you have no idea what I'm going through. You know what? This may be the end of a chapter, but there's still a new chapter that's getting ready to begin because this is not the end yet. But we do everything through faith. We do everything through believing. You know, we know that faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. When we talk about evidence, it's something that you see. It's something that you experience. See, faith causes us to experience the grace of God. Because it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. That's what Ephesians says. So we have the grace of God, which was on full display. But to access that grace, we need faith. We need to believe in what Jesus has done. And we need to grab hold of it and make it our own. We need to receive it into our own. 
How does this apply to Jesus dwelling in our heart? Well, I'll put it this way. Faith is the doorway for Jesus to enter in through and make you his home. Faith is that doorway. Our believing is the door that is swung open, but now we speak and we say, Jesus, you are welcome here. Come on in. Do what you want to do. Live here. Say what you want to say. We allow him to come on in. He will never force himself into you. He will never force his will on you. He's too much of a gentleman, but he will love you to the point that you say, Lord, come on in. Come on in. Do everything that's in your heart to do because you know what? You can trust him. He is good. And if he is good, he has the best in mind for you. God's plans for you are not to harm you. That's what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. I know the plans that I have for you. And he wants you to know the plans that he has for you. And what are these plans? Plans to prosper you. And what does it mean to prosper you? He doesn't give you sickness. He doesn't steal from you. He doesn't take from you. If he asks you to release something, it's because he wants to get something better to you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. A hope and a future. It's something that's good that's ahead of you. That you can believe God for and begin to take the steps necessary into that place. And he wants us to begin to move towards his amazing and wonderful grace. In Romans 10, verse 10, voice translation, it says, Belief begins in the heart and leads to a life that's right with God. Confession departs from our lips and brings eternal salvation. I love that. I love that our believing is not just limited to what's in our head or in our heart. It comes out of our mouth. Because what you believe will always come out of your mouth. If you want to know what somebody really believes, spend time with them. Hear what they're saying. And then you'll know what they really, really believe. Sometimes we need to become so aware of what we're saying and we're like, wait a minute, that's not, that's not right. What are we doing now? We're renewing our mind to the truth of the word. And now we begin to speak what the word says. And what happens now? We now begin to access the more that God has for us. And there is more. Remember, we talked about this. There is far more to talk about of this love of God, to experience in this love of God than we've ever experienced before. You and I have only scratched the surface. Only scratched the surface. But I pray that we begin to dig down deep into it. And discover all of the treasure that he has there for us. Remember I said it's by grace that we've been saved, but it's through faith. But I want to read this in the, in the voice translation of Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. It says, for it is by God's grace that you have been saved. You receive it through faith. See, everything's on display. But faith is now the hand that reaches out to say, that's mine. I, re I, re I receive it. I believe it. Then it goes on to say, it was not our plan or our effort. I like that because it has nothing to do with me. No matter how hard I planned, there is no way my planning could ever have gotten me into the presence of God. It wasn't my own effort because if the, more, the more I struggled, the more I strived, the more I found myself falling short because it was all about my effort when it's all about his. 
what he's done. It is God's gift, pure and simple. You didn't earn it. Not one of us did. So don't go around bragging that you must have done something amazing. See, it's not about how amazing we are. It's about how amazing he is and how amazing his grace is towards us because we didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We didn't merit it. There is nothing that you and I could have done to get it. He gave it. Remember, we talked about this when we were talking about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. And what did he give? He gave the thing that was most valuable, the one-of-a-kind type of treasure that you just don't leave with anyone. You give to somebody who would be trustworthy. And yet the Bible says that he gave his only begotten son to whoever. You know why? Because he believes in you more than you believe in you. He trusts you more than you trust in yourself and more than anyone could ever trust you. He trusts you. And so when he gave his son with no guarantee of any return, I mean, God was investing with no clue as to, well, not he had a clue. He knew what he was doing. But he had no guarantee that anybody would receive. But if one did, it was enough. It was enough. But he had every single one of you in mind. Every single one of you in mind. And it is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It is the goodness of God that leads people to come to that place where they change their mind. To begin to believe that there is a God that is so good and that he so loves me. He so loves me. I mean, you know this song. It's a children's song. Jesus loves me. This I know. Why? For the Bible tells me so. What does the Bible tell me about? It tells me about the sacrifice of Jesus on my behalf. What God was willing to do, how far he was willing to go just to love me. Jesus loves me. This I know. You know, I think it's just for this. This might be just for this service and for those that are watching. But I was reading the story yesterday about the prodigal son. And, you know, it's more about the story of the father than it is about the son. But I want to show you something about how the father loved the son. When the, when the son went to him and he asked him for his inheritance, he was basically saying, I wish you would die. You're not dying fast enough. Give me what you've got. That's what the younger son said. And the father said, you know, the father didn't complain. He split the inheritance between his two sons, and he gave them both the inheritance. The younger one went away to a far-off country, wasted all of the money, slept with prostitutes, did all sorts of things that, you know, he shouldn't have done. And then he ended up in a pig in a pigsty, in a pig pen, feeding pigs, taking care of pigs, which for a Jewish person is probably the lowest of the low. He even went lower. He began to crave the food of the pigs because he was hungry. And then the Bible says that he came to himself. And he goes, you know, the servants in my father's house are living better than I'm living. What does that tell you about how good the father was as a master? It tells you that he took care of everything that he considered his own. That they had more than enough food and plenty left over to care for every need. 
and every desire. They were well taken care of. And he remembers this, and he goes, well, I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm going to tell him, I have sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore, but just make me a servant. Make me a servant in your house. This is his mindset. He's going back. What's happening? There's a change. There's a change that's happening. Because now he's beginning to realize. Why? Because hunger. And he's beginning to see the goodness of God. Here he is hungry, but he's seeing the goodness of his father. And the Bible says that while he was a long way off, the father saw him. So every day, I believe the father was standing out there looking for his son, just knowing in his heart when he, he's going to come home. He's going to come home. Today's the day he's going to come home. And when the father saw him, it says that the father ran to meet him. The son didn't say anything. The son was stinky. He was smelly. Really, in the eyes of everyone, he should have died because of what he had said to his, son, to his father. But the father ran, grabbed him, held onto him, kissed his neck. You mean even when he was stinky? It didn't matter how stinky he was. You and I were garbage before Jesus gave us value. It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says in the Passion Translation that God showed his passionate love for us. That while we were still a sinner, while we were of no use whatsoever, Christ came and he died for us anyway. See, a lot of times we think, oh, I need to clean up before I can come up to God. You know what? Don't bother. He will be the one to clean you up. Because you will never be able to clean yourself up that well. But he knows how. Father hugs him, holds on to him, kisses him. But you see what happened right there? The father showed the son how much he loved him. Before one word came out of the son's mouth, the father showed the son, I love you in spite of everything you've done. And then the son begins his speech. Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me a servant. What does the father do? Doesn't even listen to him. Calls his servant. Go get a robe. Go get the ring. Go get the shoes. What was the father saying? I'm giving you my authority. You are still my son. You can represent me. But in spite of all I've done, it doesn't matter. You are still my son. See, this is why it's so important to understand how loved you are. The younger son didn't understand how loved he was. Was The older son didn't either because the older son now begins to complain. After he hears that there's a party being thrown for his younger brother, he gets angry. This son of yours, the one who wasted everything, here I am slaving, serving you for all these years, and you didn't give me anything. The father said, and you know what? This is the interesting thing. I don't know if you noticed this, but the father went out to the older son as well. The father's the one who does the reaching. He's the one who goes out of his way for his children to bring them back into their, his home. And what does he tell them? Son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. If you wanted a calf, all you had to do was ask, and it would have been given to you. So you have the ones that go astray, but you have the ones that stay, and you have the ones that have such a religious attitude. It's all about my effort. It's all about me. You know what? Just go to the Father and talk to him. Talk to him. I believe that's for somebody here today, because it's not in my notes. Praise God. But just know that the Father loves you. 
and he wants you home. He wants you to know that everything that he has is yours. He's given everything you will ever need and everything you ever want. It's found in Christ. That's why it's so important to be rooted and grounded. So Jesus comes, he dwells, and then it says that you. See how personal God is? It's about you, the individual, making that choice, that you being rooted and grounded in love. What does it mean to be rooted? It means to be anchored. It means to be established deeply. It means to be centered, to stand in the very core or essence of something. It means a place where you draw your nutrition and your sustenance. When you are rooted in, you are putting everything that you are in it. You are holding on to something, and you allow that root system to go down deep. Why is it so important that you have deep roots? Because God wants you to have more fruit. Because roots determine fruits. See, it's hard for a tree to bear much fruit if it has a very shallow root system. The deeper the roots go, the more fruit can be born on that tree. The wider the trunk can be to hold everything, the goodness that will be seen and tasted from the fruit. And God wants us to be rooted in love. Rooted in love love. That love is a place that we draw our nourishment. It's a place we draw our identity because everything that is processed through the tree, the nutrients, the vitamins, the minerals, all of that will be actually found in the fruit because it goes through the body, it goes through the vine, and it will now go into the fruit. So people can now taste and see what you believe in. Taste and see who you believe in. The one that you talk about that so loves you, they can now begin to experience for themselves how loved they are when they taste and see. Like I said, God is a God of experience. He wants you to experience him. Because he's constantly demonstrating. The main demonstration was Jesus on the cross, but day by day, he demonstrates his love for you. You are here today because of the grace of God. I mean, literally, sitting here in the service today, you are here because of the grace of God. You may have gone gone through a hellish week, but you are sitting here in the presence of Jesus together, allowing him to wash you, allowing him to fill you, allowing him to love on you as he loves on others around you. So we are rooted. We are anchored. I love that word anchored. Because I think about a ship. And when there's a, when there's a storm, but a ship is anchored, the ship may move back and forth, but the anchor keeps it in place. And when the storms pass, it's still there. It's still there. So that's why we need to be rooted and grounded in love. What does it mean to be grounded? It means to lay a foundation. It means to stand firm. It means to be, uh, it means to be established. And why is it important to have a foundation? Because something is being built. Jesus is building his church, but he is building his church on the foundation of his love for us. And so we are founded on this. And as we are founded and he is building his church, he is building us individually. What is he getting ready to do? He's getting ready to showcase us. He's getting ready to put us on display. 
The deeper the foundation, the higher the building. The deeper the foundation, the higher you will go. And the higher you are, the more people will be, the more people will see you. God doesn't want you low. He wants to bring you up. And he puts you in a high place so that when people see you, they go, I don't know what happened there, but I know that that must be about the God that he or she believes. But he puts you up there so that you can display and showcase his love. What are you doing? It's the God colors that get brought out. You color the world. You bring him in. You bring the God flavors. What happens? You taste and see. People encounter Jesus through you. You and I are walking love letters. The Bible calls us epistles. We are letters to be read by men. We are the love letters of God into the world. We bring his word into the world so that people can encounter a living, breathing Jesus. And so we find ourselves founded, grounded on the word, on his love. Because the, world, the word tells me how loved I am. The word shows me how valuable I am to him. How much he was willing to pay for me. And how much he was willing to pay for you. You know, we were, we were singing earlier. And I, was just, I just turned to Pastor Alvin and I said, you know what? It just amazes me how loved we are. That we're going to build our life upon this word that Jesus said it is finished. That we are standing on him. And then Isa talks about that there's nothing that can separate us from his love. There's nothing. There's nothing too great. There's nothing too small. There's nothing that can separate us from God's love. You know why you can't be separated? Because you're rooted and you're founded in him. That place, you're immovable in that place. Jesus told this story in Matthew 7, 24 to 25, in the Passion Translation, I'm reading it. It says, everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. When the, the rains fell and the flood came with fierce winds beating upon his house, it stood firm because of its strong foundation. See, it says when. It doesn't say if, if the rains will come, if the floods will rise, if the wind will blow. It says when it does, you will remain firm because of the foundation upon which you stand. There will be challenges that will come your way. There may be questions, do you love me? And he'll tell you, I love you. Look to Jesus and see how loved you are. Oh, but Lord, the tuition fee hasn't come in yet. Have I ever failed you? His love is unfailing. He will never fail you. Oh, Lord, but my rent. Relax. Rest. Have I ever not given you your rent money? Look at what I've done. Look at the memorials of God's goodness and faithfulness to you. And you can say, you know what? Okay, fine. Wind, you're blowing. I can feel you. Rain, I can feel you on my face. But I'm not going to be moved because I know who has got me. I know on whom I stand. I know my foundation is secure and steady and firm. I know. 
Sometimes you're just going to need to close your eyes. Stop looking around you. Just close your eyes and just say, I'm going to look to Jesus. Because when you begin to look out, you might find yourself sinking. But know this, Jesus will be right there immediately to get you right back into that boat. Because he's going to bring you to the other side just as he said he would. So we are rooted and grounded on him. There's a hymn that I love. Maybe it's familiar to some. But it's on Christ the solid rock I stand. It says all other ground is sinking sand. But it begins with, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. What does it mean to wholly lean? It means to give all that you've got, to lean all that you are, to let him carry the weight of your life and carry you to his destination for you. And then it goes on to say, when darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. You know, I was thinking about that, and I go, Lord, when darkness veils, Lord, that's why at night you make us go to sleep. Because in the darkness, you're taking care of us. I'm just going to rest. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. It doesn't matter how fierce the storm is around you. If you are rooted and grounded in Christ, you will be immovable. You will be immovable, and you will find yourself in the same place. Not move because of the wind, not move because of the waves. No, you're in the same place because the storm will pass. It has no choice. It can't go on forever. And when it does, light breaks forth, and you see where you're going. But you trust the one who's in the boat with you. He's right there with you because he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. See, we're rooted and grounded in his love for us. A love that's unchanging, a love that's unconditional, a love that is ever giving, a love that is sacrificial. A love that is patient and kind, a love that is not envious or jealous or boastful, a, a, a love that is not rude or crude or indecent. It's not self-absorbed. This love is all about you. That's how much he loves you. He's not keeping the love to himself. He's giving it all to you. For God so loved the world. He so loved the world. It's a love that delights in the truth. A love that does not celebrate injustice. A love that keeps no record of wrongs. God doesn't go, well, you messed up again, son. Do you remember this time? No. He goes, son, remember who you are. You are my son. You are my beloved son, and I am well pleased with you. Oh, but father, how about this? Son, don't look at that. Look at me and look where we're going together. We don't live there anymore. That's not who you are. This is who you are. And you walk in love. You are rooted and grounded in a love that is not based on brotherly affection or feeling or lust or sexual attraction. It is the God kind of love. Love the way only he can show us. Love the only way he can demonstrate it. 
love the way he is because it's who he is. God is love. And see, it's hard to understand that sometimes, but that's why it goes on. It doesn't just stop there. It goes that you will be able to comprehend with all the saints. See, turn to the person beside you. Look at them. They are saints. What? Every single one of us in Christ is a saint. Because what does it mean to be a saint? It means you are devoted unto God, separate for his purpose, and holy. Hey, in Christ, because I am the righteousness of God, that described me to a T. And that describes you as well. And so you have this. It says that we comprehend with all the saints. What is the width, the length, the depth, and the height? See, we need one another to understand the fullness of the love of God. Because you may have experienced him a certain way that I haven't yet. But from your testimony and then me sharing mine to you, all of a sudden we now have a clearer picture. A better understanding. Not just in our head, not just in our heart, but something that we are now expecting to happen to us as well. That you may have known God as your, as your healer. I haven't been in that place where I've needed a healing that desperately like you have. But maybe I've been in a situation where there has been lack that abounded. But praise God that where lack abounded, the provision and the grace of God was more available for me. And because I share that with you, you can now begin to believe for greater provision coming to your family. That God can take care of you from that place as well. And then when a sickness or a symptom tries to come upon me, I can say, wait a minute, Jesus already paid for that at the cross. And so what's happening now? I'm stirring up that love on the inside of me, that deeper understanding that causes me to begin to hope that I have a greater future, that this does not determine what's happening or where I'm going. This moment right now is an opportunity for God to shine bright. And let his love come alive in that place. In Romans, it tells us, Romans 5, verse 5, it says, Now hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out by the Holy Spirit into our hearts. The Holy Spirit is constantly reminding us how loved we are. And that's why we need one another. Remember I talked about being rooted and grounded? Well, when all of us are rooted and grounded in Christ, in love, what happens is our root systems begin to intertwine. And when a storm comes because our root systems have intertwined and we've gone down deep, now standing together, we won't allow the other to fall. But now we understand the, 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 the depth, the length, the width, the height of God's love. What does that mean? It means the extremes that God was willing to go. Not the extremes we're willing to go, because even our extremes are limited. But the extreme measure of God's love for us, how far he was willing to go for us. I mean, Jesus came out of heaven to the earth, became man, and then as a man, he went to the grave. He died and went into the grave. He didn't just stay in the grave. The Bible says that he even went into Hades to get those keys. Those keys that were giving us the authority to rule and reign on the earth. The keys that Adam had given up in the garden. Jesus took those keys back. And as part of his body, you and I didn't stay in the grave, didn't stay in hell or in Hades. We rose again to life with him and are seated in the high places with him to rule and reign like him. 
And so we have this opportunity to do this together as his body. Every part doing its share. Every part adding a supply. Every part, its roots going down deeper and deeper and deeper so that we are part of a strong and mighty forest that become a refuge for the people in the world. They come and find in this place as we are resting in his amazing grace. They come into this place for shelter, for food, for nourishment, for security, for, for, for healing. They come into this place because they know where we are and whose we are. Because we display him to the world. So we understand the width, the length, the depth, the height of his love. In Psalm 139... We're familiar with this scripture because it talks about how we were knitted in, God's, in our mother's womb, how God knew us then. But I want to read prior to that, from 6 to 10 in the Passion Translation, it says, This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows the things that are ahead of you even when you don't, and yet he prepares something for you. He prepares the way for you. And then he goes on to say, where could, I go from, uh, where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your faith? face? If I go up to he heaven, you are there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you are there too. If I fly with the wings into the shining dawn, you are there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you, you're there waiting. You know, just looking at that, you see the, the width, the length, the depth, and the height. You can run, but God's love is so much bigger, and it will find you. He's going to chase you down. He's going to love on you relentlessly. Then it goes, wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. Wherever I go. I mean, you can just look at the cross. And you're going to see the width, the length, the depth, and the height. I mean, just in that, just describing the width, the length, the depth, and the height, you actually see the cross. It's actually a four-dimensional cross, just with that description. That's why it's not 3D. You're just trying to feel it because you see it. No. God was all about you experiencing how loved you are. That's why we look to the cross. Because that was the demonstration. That was the purest display of love. Jesus said that there is no greater love than this. That a man would be willing to lay down his life for a friend. And he calls us friends. And he calls us sons and he calls us daughters and he draws us in. See, what I love about this is that Jesus kept his arms wide open. Oh no, but it was the nails that kept him there. No, it was his love for you and me that kept him there. And his, his arms stayed wide open. Why? Because anyone is welcome into the embrace. Anyone. Anyone can come and anyone can just... Come to that place and he will just wrap his arms around you. I'm almost done. Understanding all of this so that you know. To know the love of Christ 
which passes knowledge. That knowing is not a shallow, superficial type of knowing. It's, a, it's not. It's a deep, intimate relationship with someone. That you know the person's innermost thoughts and desires. You, you're almost one with them. And that's what it means to know the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge. That's what the Amplified says. It far surpasses mere knowledge because that knowledge there is just head knowledge. It's what you may know at the moment, but God doesn't want us to rest in what we know in the moment. He wants us to know more. He wants us to go deeper. He wants us to go higher. He wants us to go further. He does it all in his love. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Why? That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you would be filled with all the fullness of God. This is a year of fullness. And God wants us so filled and flooded with himself. He wants every part of our lives so saturated with him. I mean, it's living, breathing him. When you're rooted, that's your life. When you're founded, it's your life. And he wants us rooted and grounded in his love so that we would be full. Why? Because there's an empty world out there that needs to encounter Jesus. And they'll encounter Jesus through you. How? Because you encountered him first. You encountered him first. You know what real love is. In 1 John 3.16, New Living Translation, it says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Real love. Real love. So being rooted and grounded in this love will make you secure and steady. It will cause you to be ever-growing and it will, it will cause you to be fruitful beyond measure. Amen? Let me pray for you and I'm going to release this word over you. I'm going to read Ephesians 3, 17 to 19 in the Amplified. It says, May Christ, through your faith, you're believing in him. Actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. That you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the width and length and height and depth of it? that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you will be empowered to discover the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all of its dimensions, how deeply intimate and far-reaching it is, how enduring and inclusive it is, a, lo a love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love that is being poured into you 
until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of Christ. I pray that over your people today, Father. And from that place, then you will showcase your power and your might and bring us to places that we would only, could only dare ever ask or imagine or dream about. You will far surpass it all as we stay grounded, rooted, fixed, and founded in your love. In Jesus' name. Now I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to release an invitation. There are some people in here that have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But the Father is saying, come home. He's just waiting. He's just waiting for you to come home. Oh, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. I don't, but he does. And he says, it doesn't matter to me. I'll make it right. Just come into my arms. Come into my embrace today. If you've never received Jesus, all you have to do is believe and receive him into your heart. You believe in your heart, and then you confess with your mouth. And we're going to pray together, all of us. You may have received Jesus, but you've walked away. God never walked away from you. He's still with you. And maybe today you want to recommit your life. I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up. Just raise that up. And that's you saying, I'm going to receive him today. One, thank you for your hand. Two, thank you for your hand. Three, your hands are up. Keep them up. You might be downstairs in the fourth floor. You might be watching on Facebook Live and saying, that's me. As you raise your hands today, that's the beginning. That's you believing. Now we're going to confess with our mouth. You can put your hands down, and we're going to pray together, all of us together. Repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I thank you. Thank you. That you love me so much. That you, love me so much. That you gave me Jesus. That you gave me Jesus. 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 I thank you. I thank you. That you willingly laid down your life for me. That you willingly laid down your life for me. You took my sin. You took my sin. You took my shame. You took my shame. And then you gave me life in return. And you gave me life in return. From this day forward. From this day forward. My life will never be the same. My life will never be the same. I expect greater. I expect greater. I expect more. I expect more. I expect blessing. I expect blessing. I expect favor. I expect favor. Because you are always with me. Because you are always with me. In your name I pray. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on social media. Or visit us at newlifetheforth.com.